It has been way too long since Harry and I have gone down the TV rabbit hole, and that's the name of this podcast. Down the TV rabbit hole with Jim Sion in New Orleans and my good friend Harry Bartusiak in Chicago. How are you, pal? Oh, my gosh, Jim. It's so yes. good to talk to you again. It's been like forever. Um, and I'm so happy to, to do another show. And as a matter of fact, it's been so long. I made a new friend, and um, he's here, and he wants to kind of do a... <laughs> Uh, say hello to our listeners and to you. Is that okay? Sure, a new friend. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. This is Gilbert Gottfried with my co-host, Frank Sandro Padre. We're listening to Down the TV Rabbit Hole with Jim Sion and that other guy that looks like Fred Travelina. Where did they come up with this stuff? I know. Now that Gilbert they is rip passed, it off you, from us. You you might actually be able to make money with that impersonation now that Gilbert sadly is passed on. That was that's not a bad impression, but it makes me sad because uh, we lost him what a couple of months ago. But God, he was good. It's true that I'm dead, but it's not too bad. Most people don't realize heaven is just like being alive, except the Tonight Show is hosted by Fred McMurray. <laughs> now that's a good bit. See, he could have used that on stage. <laughs> Fred McMurray. All right. Well, we'll put him aside for now, but I thought you'd like to hear from, from Gilbert. They're big, he's a big fan of the show. Yeah, so uh, well, I, that's good. Well, I did tell you that Frank Santopadre is kind of a friend of mine, didn't I tell you that? I didn't know that. No, I hope he doesn't actually sue us then. But, uh, no, he, he no, I don't think he over. will, because I actually sent him a DVD collection of Jack Benny uh, hard-to-find TV shows that I had. And when I do, was doing a radio show, I was filling in with a buddy of mine, B.J. Odom. We interviewed Frank Santopadre and talked about his podcast with Gilbert. Sweetheart of a guy. Real nice guy. Great guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're giants. The, I mean, uh, I don't think we rip off their podcast, no. but certainly it's an inspiration. Well, I, th- I think we do and our that- podcast in the same spirit that they do theirs, because they shoot from the hip and talk about things that they love, kind of like we do, I think. It's not like a Honeymooners Flintstones <laughs> thing or anything like that, though, right? Exactly right. Well, okay. Well, I mean, hey, I'm ready to go. I know it's been a while. It's because you you had another vasectomy. Is that what happened? We've been off the air. Yeah, no, a it's, it's what, a, you know this third one. I think it's going to take. So I'm I'm happy about I this. Hope so. yeah, yeah, no, I really am. Because uh, the last thing I need is yeah. another kid running around that I can't afford. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> well, you know that would be the way for the show to jump the shark. You know, you have a baby. You know, so that's uh, true. Th- this is a good idea not to do it. That's a good. Or point. bringing your cousin. No, that that's a good point. Yeah, if we if I do have a baby. And speaking of jump the shark, yeah. you know what? I got something, and I know we're going to do an extravaganza here in a minute. And I'm sure you're you're yeah. all set. You're all set for the extravaganza. Yeah. I am. Okay. As long as we got the right show. Well, it's been so long since we've done it. I hope our notes are the same. <laughs> I hope I, we're going to find out soon. Well, yeah. but before we do that, I should mention the fact that this, of course, is down the TV rabbit hole with Jim Sen and Harry Bartosiak. You can get us on Spotify, Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts. We have our Facebook page, which is Jim and Harry TV. We talk about bad TV shows, good TV shows, middling TV shows. TV shows that, for one way or another, we remember or affected us. And uh, we just do this for our amusement for the most part. And speaking of that, I came up with a little bit of a quiz that I think is right in our wheelhouse. Mm. 
And it w- okay. since we haven't done one in a while, I'm going to return right now, and now I'm talking about the 1986 film, Return to Mayberry. Let's talk about about the Andy Griffith right. show very quickly. I want to give you a quiz, all right? A quickie quiz, and I would say, sack it to me. All right, on a scale from 1 to 10, and of course, we've watched all the Andy Griffith episodes again and again and again, and right now they're available on MeTV every night at 7 o'clock Central Time. They do a full hour. But when you watch, like, the first three minutes, and you figure out who the featured person, the featured character on the episode Mm -hmm. is going to be, you can usually say, oh, I like it, or I'm not going to like it. So, on, on a scale... On a scale from 1 to 10, I'm going to mention a featured character that the episode will revolve around, and you tell me, scale from 1 to 10, your gut feeling. All right? But, so this, no, there's no right or wrong here. No right I, or wrong. I, I just, gut but, feeling. Okay. But I'll go ahead. I'll let you go. I wrote down my answers already. But uh, we're going to start. We're going to start right in the wheelhouse, okay, for you anyway. You're watching Andy Griffith, and within two minutes you realize this will be an episode that features Ernest T. Bass. Scale from one to ten. That is a that's a nine, I would say. Yeah, I figured you would do a nine. I I had you down. Fiddly D, it's <laughs> Ernest T. Howdy do to you and you. It's me. It's me. It's Ernest T. <laughs> Here, look at you. A gold tooth. Catch the glare as my mouth kicked open. Chef, I order, already know the whole front part of the alphabet. A, B, C, F, L, G. A lot of other letters, but not in a row like that. Uh, Howard Morris? The great Howie Morris, yes. Director, yeah. producer, writer. I mean, the guy had a resume uh, uh, to the floor, for God's sake. He was also the voice of, oh, uh, Leonard. Who was the singer, the si- the masked singer on Mayberry uh, uh, when he do- when he was oh, on the radio? Right. Uh, Leonard, oh gosh, I should know this. Leonard Blush. What's the matter? You kidding? It's time for Leonard Blush. I didn't know it was that late. This is WMPD, the voice of Mount Pilot. And now stay tuned for Leonard Blush, the masked singer. Hello there. This is Leonard Blush. We have had some very nice letters this morning, and I'd like to start off today's program with a request. One of my favorites, and I hope one of yours. He did a 15-minute radio show, and he would sing, and uh, every now and then they'd play it on the radio, and it was always Howie Morris, and he was always singing with his nasal voice, so uh, there you go. There's a, that's a $1,000 Jeopardy question for you right there. That's excellent. Yes, I'll keep that in my back pocket if needed. All right, quickly, we'll go down these real quick, uh, and I have a feeling our, our answers from here on out are going to be pretty mm-hmm. much the same. I actually had Ernest T. Bass a little bit lower than you because you like Ernest more than I do, but that's all right. Uh, all right, here it is, an episode of the Andy Griffith Show, and here they come. Roll it in. You've got the Darling family. Hmm. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to say this is... You know, this is not with Ernest T, but where they're the focal point. Is that what you're saying? Yes. There were a couple where Ernest T crossed over and he'd show up at the same time. But yes, the darlings. Yeah. uh, That's going to be like a a four and a half. They dominated too much. They weren't that funny. They were one trick pony, you know, with the jug. And 
the dumb brothers and uh, trying to marry off the daughter. And uh, yeah, I didn't really like those that much. Only when Ernest T was there, too. Wow. See, that's funny because I put the Darlings at a nine just because I love the music so much. You like the jugs? You like playing the jugs? <laughs> yes. No, I, I. you know me. I've been a jugs guy for a long time. Um, okay. But well, you think right. Denver Pyle was really playing the, an instrument? I don't think so. I think he was oh, an actor. Are you, are, you, are you kidding me? Denver, he played Carnegie Hall as a solo act. You didn't realize that? He did? Oh, my God, yes. You're shitting me. No, I mean, it, I think it's the, it was Judy Garland at Carnegie Hall, the Dukes of Dixieland at Carnegie Hall, and Denver <laughs> Pyle at Carnegie Hall. I think that was a three-CD set, if I remember correctly. Bullshit. <laughs> that's, that's complete bullshit. <laughs> Denver Pyle at Carnegie Hall. All right. Do you we... have a bridge to sell me? <laughs> All right, let's go down the list because we've got an extravaganza coming up. Andy Griffith Show, you realize that this is going to be an episode that features Clara Edwards. Oh, yeah, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> Three. Yeah, I put four and I was Clara. being generous. Yeah. I, the only reason she I like. She made Aunt B cry. <laughs> there was the one time when Opie started the <laughs> rock and roll band. That was a color episode where she plays kind of a jazzy piano and the band is playing rock and roll behind her. <laughs> Here's one from Out of Left Field. There were only mm -hmm. two that featured him, if I remember correctly. Malcolm Merriweather. Well, you're going to have to refresh my memory on who the hell that is. Who's well, the actor? Well, the actor was, of course, and we saw him last in Titanic, I believe, the great Bernard oh! Fox. Bernard Fox. I've just returned from a transatlantic expedition. Wait, wait, yeah. No, so now, now, no, wait. Now you're crossing over into Bewitched, for God's sake. No, yeah. he was Malcolm Merriweather from, from Great Britain on the Andy Griffiths show. Tally ho. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And he wore the little shorts and stuff like that with the long socks. Well, it, it's funny you would remember the little shorts, but that's okay to each his own. <laughs> well, um, I mean, he wore like the like you know like he was going on safari. I think he would well, wear I'm, you know for I'm, he was I'm, there in this kind of the summer. I'm glad you. Nobody was, was never there no. in the winter. Did you ever notice that? That's a good point. Although, any... Oh, it was North Carolina though. They don't have wind. Well, yeah, they, they get a do. little bit of weather. There's it was never raining. It was always the same. You know. Whatever. I'm just small criticism. No one cares. But uh, yeah, they you know they could have they wore coats. They people yeah. in North Carolina have to wear a coat once in a while. When did you ever see a coat? I think when he went hunting or something like that, they might have had a coat on or fishing. But basically, never. It was only they, maybe they just took a break from shooting in the winter. And you know, I, oh, of course they were shooting at the Forty Acres at the Desilu Studios. Now I'm rambling. So go on no, with the that's next. A, one. That's all right. Don't worry. I'm going to edit all that out. So Mel, you didn't give me a. a, a number malcolm merriweather scale from one to ten i would have to say this is like a non-pulse thing <laughs> i don't know It'd be like a four okay probably i, I put a seven because one episode wasn't so good but there was the other one where he uh where he fills in for aunt b and then he pretends to be the drunk at the end but then, oh yeah yeah I, I remember that yeah i thought that was a good episode okay here we go wait a minute yeah how about you turn it on and you realize it's featuring Richard Slattery. 
from Murph 76. <laughs> okay, I think commercial. he was only in two or three of them, wasn't And he wasn't mm, the featured well. player. He was kind of a bit player. But, I, but okay. I'll give him an eight, because, you know, anything that Richard Slattery is in, you know, you and I love, so. Hey, cookies. We'll miss your service, Murph. Oh, there's good 76 stations in your new hometown. Not like Murph. But every dealer can't be Murph. That's right. Every 76 dealer is his own man. And everyone that I know is trying his best, and that's the spirit, spirit of 76. 76. Good luck. Say, we're new in town and looking for a 76 station. Of course, it'll be hard to beat our old one. Maybe you've heard of it. Mort 76? Mort? Go with the spirit. Trying our best. That's the spirit. The spirit of 76. And right now there's one person out there Googling, Richard Slattery, who the hell is that? Mm. Charge <laughs> it, Rosie. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. This is going to be an easy one. Andy Griffith Show, you turn it on and you realize it features Daphne and Skippy, the fun girls. Hmm. Okay. I would say that's about a six. Really? I have them at, at a nine. Oh, really? yeah. I, well, but maybe I'll tell you. Did I ever tell you that I ran into the fun girls when I was in Tampa? No, you mean in real life? Well, not really, but I was I, I was up there to visit a buddy of mine who was at a weather conference. He was in Illinois at the time. And so he is uh, he's visiting Tampa and he's going to this conference. I'm in Fort Myers and he says, hey. Once the conference is over, drive up. You can stay at my hotel room. We'll go out. We'll go out to dinner, all this. Anyway, at the time I was single and he was married, but we run into these two girls and one of them really was, hello, doll. How are you? You, you chain <laughs> smoke. Hello, doll. But the other one was cute. The other one was pretty cute. Oh. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, so they kind of followed us around for a while. Oh, I see. So, yeah, I got you. So they were like um, doppelgangers, so to speak. Yeah doppelgangers yeah that means everybody in the world has like some people say evil twins or whatever you have somebody right. that looks just like you oh it's just like that. it's like you were you know like your your twin out there and you know in the time space continuum sometimes people get matched up so it could have been that um what were they called the the what sisters well the pigeon I, no, sisters they were the fu no. oh the pigeon sisters that was the odd couple for god's sake yeah right British brides, uh, women. Sorry, edit that. <laughs> That's out. right. No, no, no. No. Hey, listen. Dean Martin said bras. He, you know, he never got sued. Of course, he died in '97, but that's why maybe. But uh, oh, we're not going to get sued for that. It's just that uh, you know, one right. of our four listeners might take a umbrage. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't but, think so. All right, uh, whatever. All right, here we go. Here's an episode. Andy Griffith show. You realize after about three minutes, it features Gomer. Hmm. I would say. Seven. That's what I had. Seven. Very good. Okay. How about Seven, yeah. how about Goober? Uh, I'm saying probably seven and a half because it's usually going to also feature Howard Sprague if it involves now, Goober. Now, oh, now wait, you're bleeding over here. You're you're you're, you're, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you're doing an amalgamation. I think would be the right word. No, I just have Goober alone at a five because I like Gomer better than Goober. But you know, except for the one when he does his Cary Grant impersonation. Yeah, that's the first one. That's Can the I do first that for you? Well, I, I mean, it's such a hard impersonation to do, but go ahead if you'd like to. Judy, Judy, Judy. Wow. You want me to do it again? Judy, Judy, Judy. God, that's... That's his... Goober's Cary Grant impersonation. That's, boy, that's a good one. <laughs> Almost go ahead, as, do oh. it, Goober. Do it. Do it for him. Listen to this. It sounds just like... Judy, Judy, Judy. Isn't that amazing, Andy? 
Between that, you're Richard Slattery, and now you're Gilbert Gottfried, for God's sake. You've really got to go on the road. you got to start playing like like Tahoe or something like that. Um, ah, love that. We could play the Beverly Hillbillies Casino in Tahoe when it eventually gets built by Max Bear Jr. You know, his website, I think, is still up. He's had that website up for like 15 years. Coming soon, the Beverly Hillbillies Casino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it has like a drawing, like a crude drawing of what it's going to look like. Oh yeah, it looks Granny's like general. It looks like a map that you'd see like in a Denny's restaurant, you know, like one of those right. placemats. Yeah, the placemat where you can color on it. Oh, I feel so bad for that guy. Is he still alive? Max Bayer Jr.? Oh, I believe All so. Right. I'll put yeah. that in the corrections. One more for the corrections. All right, Andy Griffith's show that features Emmett, scale from mm-hmm. 1 to 10. No, this is not going to be good. This is about a three. That's what I is had. This going to be one of those l- late, depressing ones, yep. like almost like an abandoned amusement park type feel, bleeding into, like you say, into Mayberry RFD, where the air is really out of the balloon, and it's almost like a pall is cast over the proceedings. You know, it's a, it's like a, it's like a shell, a husk of this former self. The show no. by that you sum you summed it up perfectly, which leads me to my next uh, person, Howard Sprague. Well, I tell you what, when I was watching the show, I was not a Howard Sprague fan. I'm like, this guy is the most boring man on the face of the earth. But now I appreciate that because I I see, I think, I I, I just, I see the humor in it. I'm like, you know, like, I don't know. There's something about it. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, like one day I didn't like Diet Coke anymore. I like Diet Pepsi. Similarly, one day I all of a sudden like Howard Sprague, and so I, <laughs> wow. I today I would give him like an eight. I will watch a Howard Sprague episode every time. It's like when Stripes or Blues Brothers comes out, I'm going to watch oh. it. Now Andy Griffith, Howard Sprague's on, I'm going to watch it. Now wait, you're not taking it to the extreme where you've actually grown a mustache and you're wearing a bow tie. Well, and I'm going to put some beads up instead of doors in my apartment and have a to-do. Should we call a couple of girl, women, ladies over to dance? Hello, Dorothy. How's my favorite gal? I'm having a little do at my pad Saturday night, and a little do at my pad. A party at my house. Oh, oh, I see. Well, if you promised your folks you'd visit them, of course, I understand. Uh, better luck next time, Dot. <laughs> that episode is a 10, where he turns, you know, his, his, his pad, his place into the bachelor pad, and they all dance and all. That's a great, that's 10. Every other Howard Sprague is like a two to three, to, in my opinion, well, anyway. What, yeah. What about the one when he realizes how boring he is, and he moves to a tropical <laughs> island, oh. and he's going to live... The he's going to okay. live off the fat of the land. They live on the beach and no. be a swinger. The, and um, then he gets bored and comes back. Remember that one? Yeah. Well, the only reason that episode is good because they show him on the beach walking with the shorts in the black socks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, you notice the shorts too. What are you hassling me about? So, made a big point. Damn about it! That. I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to an episode of The Andy Griffith Show that features Floyd. Yes. Floyd is, he's like the, he's the piece de resistance of all the characters other than Andy and Barney. I mean, he is, it's almost like sacrilegious to turn it off a Floyd episode, you know? That was such a good character. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, yeah. And then in the later ones, when it's kind of like after his stroke, like that's when you want to see how they have him propped up. And, you know, <laughs> will he actually fall over? You look at him real closely, like, see, he's had the stroke. He can't move. Look, his hand is not moving. Right. Yeah, that's right. How about a haircut? And it's like it's slurring. You're, you're, it's like when I used to watch the late end stage Curly and the Three Stooges after he got sick. Yeah. You're just comparing notes, you know. So it actually gets distracting to watch uh, Floyd after the stroke, but glad he was able to continue. All right, well, uh, speaking of other people that had bad health and are dead now, how about an episode that features Aunt B, Francis Bavier? Wait a minute. She's not dead. I thought she's alive. No, no, actually, Um, you're not supposed to say anything. She faked her death to get out of her income taxes. (laughs) A lot of people don't know that. Oh, Oh, she did. I Okay, I'm going to be unpopular here. I love Aunt B. I mean, who doesn't? Right. That would be sacrilegious, too. But the episodes featuring her, I didn't like. They tend to be, you know, like when she goes on the game show, yeah. for example. Yeah. Or, and then they got weird at the end. Like, you've told me about the one where she's flying in the plane, and then it got even weirder, like a Mayberry RFD. But they, the, the, the earlier ones when she was involved were where she faced some kind of disappointment where she got super sad and deflated and almost crying and stuff like that. And I didn't like to see that. You know, it was sad. You know, so, I you know, I watched the show for silliness, not for... Right. Uh, yeah, it seemed like the an, the Aunt B like episodes that. were often kind of serious. Like she'd, you know, take a boyfriend. Or, you know, yeah, there were yeah. there were two or three of them where she had a boyfriend and then the boyfriend oh, yeah. left. Yeah, and I didn't like those because you're right. They always ended up sad. Like the boy, the guy who was the handyman, right? Uh, played by what? Wasn't that played by um, uh, Uncle Joe, uh, who of course was? Oh yeah. Uh, what, what's Edgar uh, Edgar Buchanan? Edgar Buchanan. Hey Kate, what happened? That fellow came by the other day. Would you wing him with a shotgun? From Petticoat Junction, right? That's very good. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, on a scale of one to ten, you'd put Aunt B at what? Well, I love Aunt B, but her featured episodes, yeah. I would put it about a four. Okay, I had six, and I was probably being generous. All right, along okay. the same lines as Edgar Buchanan, how about the episodes, and he didn't play the same character, but how about the episodes that featured Alan Melvin, Sam the Butcher? Oh. Didn't he play a heavy uh, or yep. a uh, like a crook that got locked up or locked Barney back in the... Uh, in the cell by accident. Um, those were great episodes. I didn't think much of Sam the Butcher in particular, like, a, but those, you know, the ones where Barney, where where he accidentally comes out the hero by capturing the crooks, that right, kind of stuff, right. those are great. I would give him a, about an eight on those. Perfect. Yeah, I had him at a seven, but you know what? You're right. You talked me into an eight. All right, and how about this? And this is going to be controversial. How about the episodes that were in color... That featured Barney, because remember, he was always a guest star every year. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, well, I mean, these are nines. I don't care how they are. Anything featuring Barney is is the best. Better than the features of Andy. I mean, it's just they just are. That He's, he's the number one Mayberry character. Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. If you have Mount Rushmore, he has got the most... Andy would get the most prominent spot, but how? If you took a, a popularity poll, let's put it that way, Barney is far and away the most popular character. Well, and you think it, you think about it, you think it's the same relationship I think that Jackie Gleason and Art Carney had, uh, because Norton was great, 
or, or, or I should say Gleason was great or Cramden was great, but it seemed like mm-hmm. it seemed like Norton kind of eclipsed him every now and then. Let and me yet, ask you something. Yeah. When you look up at the moon, who do you see up there? Well, that's true. It's that's true. It is the face of Jackie. No, that's a good point. I think this is one where you and I will disagree on this Ed Norton eclipsing Ralph Cramden, but it's interesting debate. But I, I don't think I can go along with you on that one. Really? Okay. Well, okay. No, that's all right. And I got to go ahead and take issue with you because the Barney color episodes, I don't Mm -hmm. like as much because it seems like he's he's up there in Raleigh. And he's doing his thing, but he's really failing. And Andy has to come all the way to Raleigh and save him again and save him again. And I just I started to feel like he was becoming uh, kind of a schnook, to use a term that my dad used to like to use. Um, Uh Interesting. Yeah. But again, you're you're right. I mean, anything with Don Knotts as Barney Fife is going to be good. So, you know what? You know what? Yeah. God bless it. You're right again. I think you're right, because that also was when the show started to get sort of a Paul cast over it, too. Andy becomes more and more serious. Yeah. He wears the he wears his out his sheriff's uniform less and less. You see him more and more on a date with Helen Crump in a suit or whatever, going up to Raleigh or Mount Pine. Yeah. And then Barney is becoming more and more depressed. You're right. All right. Are you ready for the meat and potatoes? Are you ready for the main course of Down the TV Rabbit Hole with Jim and Harry? Are you ready for the meat and potatoes, the main course from what? ABC? You're doing it perfectly. What's I'm not going to interrupt. Keep going. ABC, Battle of the Network Stars. I'm getting too excited because I can't believe we're going to do Battle of the Network Stars. So I'm going to let you take the lead and drive the boat because I'm going to drive the car right off the side <laughs> into the ditch and burst into flames. It burst into flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's flying and it's crashing. It's crashing terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's burning, bursting into flames. This is an untapped gold mine. Oh, I know. Gold mine of B, in some cases, A, B, and C, and even D list celebrity stars put together in one of the most astonishing shows that I've ever experienced in my life that I didn't appreciate at the time. Right down no. from hideous-looking sweat socks and, and you know, bizarre hairdos, <laughs> weird temper tantrums that that uh, you know justify every <laughs> preconceived notion you had about the, the personality disorders some of these stars had. Horrible athletics... <laughs> Even a Simon Says competition with an old comedian from the Catskills, and nobody knows who the hell he is, makes it nonsensical. And to put Howard Cosell in there for the full run, and no one talks about this. Oh, yeah, Battle of the Network Stars, that was great. Why in the hell haven't we been talking about this every single day? Why isn't the whole podcast devoted to each and every episode of Battle of the Network Stars? And then... From there, you could do a podcast devoted to just the NBC team, just the ABC team, and then we should work. Then we could talk about specific shows, all that. This should be the wheelhouse from which we run this entire show. That's why I'm so excited about it. This really is. You're right. This is kind of a home run derby 
of down the TV rabbit hole. I mean, it's just every pitch is 60 miles an hour lobbed right over the plate. How do you want to handle this? Because I got a lot to say. All you right. got a lot to say. Why don't you be our ringmaster or our Captain Steubing, and then I'll, I'll chime in. I'll try to do it in a very right. nice fashion. I'll just start from the beginning because Battle of the Network Stars, as you know, sprung from the superstars. 1973, it was an ABC sports special where they had 12 different athletes all competing against each other. Well, the superstars actually began in 73 as a little bit of a scam because there was a guy that owned, I think he owned all of the land. It was a big development they were trying to, to put together. And it's back where I used to live. It's in Rotunda, Florida. Does that city ring a bell for you at all? That's where they sent the fat people to live, is my understanding. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Rotunda, it actually was a community, though, that was, you know, like a big circle, and they were going to build all these houses, and they eventually did, but it was in Charlotte County, Florida, which was one county north of me when I lived in Fort Myers. But when they started hmm. it, it was this land development that they, there were actually less than 100 people living in Rotunda, but the guy who was the developer got together with Dick Button, who, of course, was a great figure skater. And Dick was the idea for the superstars and marketed it. So they said, hey, we'll do it in Rotunda, Florida. We'll bring all these athletes here. Uh, they hired Ed McMahon to be the spokesman for Rotunda. And every athlete that competed in the superstars, at least for the first time, they got a plot of land in Rotunda that they could develop. And Ed McMahon owned a house there for like 20 or 30 years, if I remember correctly. No kidding. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. That but, is so weird. That's weird. I know. But the first Superstars was actually a disaster behind the scenes because, A, it was in an area of Florida. It wasn't close to the coast. It was further inland where it gets hotter. And the weather was really hot. And because of the fact that it was this development where only like 100 people had built houses, there were no facilities. There wasn't much food. There was no, there wasn't, I mean, there was nothing. So they're just out here in like a field with TV cameras and they brought in bleachers and they tr uh, bust in a bunch of people to watch it. But everyone was miserable. Wow. It's too hot. Where's the water? Where's a bar? Where's a restaurant? Nothing. They didn't have anything. But they managed to put it together, and as you know, it, it turned into the TV special, which spawned, you know, uh, more and more superstars and then battle the network stars. But the first one was a disaster. Wow. Fast. Now, who broadcast that? Like, In other words, um, I know it was Transworld ABC was the production company because I read that in my research. Okay. Who and Howard Cosell did... Battle of the Network Stars, but who, who right. do you remember who did uh, Superstars? I want to say it was Frank Gifford or something like that. No, what the first one was Jim McKay. Jim McKay oh, did the first one. He did. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Now, I think Cosell came in, like, you know, in 75, 76, and I'll put that in the corrections because, you know, every year it seemed like it changed a little bit. Uh, they had different people, different celebrities, different athletes featured. But yeah. Jim McKay and... It, it, you probably have seen a lot of this stuff on YouTube. You Google it and you get some, but you don't get others. And it's all just a mishmash. You know, you don't even know what you're watching sometimes. But the first event right. that they broadcast, and I think you've seen this one, it's where Joe Frazier nearly drowns. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. They had, it was a swimming competition, and I can't remember who the other two were, and I'll put that in the corrections, but Joe Frazier is in a swimming competition, and he dives in, and literally, he's flailing. 
Swimming in lane number one from the racing circuits of the world, this is Peter Refson, sports car champion and former winner of the pole position for the Indianapolis 500. Swimming in lane two, we're going to have the three-time winner of Olympic gold medals in Grenoble 1968. You, of course, remember the great skiing champion, Jean-Claude Keeley of France. Lane three here, Bob Segrin. He's the world record holder still in the pole vault event. Recently turned professional with the International Track Association, and that circuit will be beginning very soon. Rounding out the field, the former heavyweight champion of the world, here is Joling Joe Frazier. Okay. And Jean-Claude Keeley and Bob Segrin are battling for the lead. Revson moving up strong, however, and Joe Frazier is well, well back. Doesn't look like Joe's going to make it into the finals of this event. He couldn't swim at all, for God's sake. Oh, no. Did he make it to the end, or somebody had to go in and drag him to I the think, I side? think he made the turn, and I think halfway yeah. back he started walking because the pool wasn't that deep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but afterwards, yeah, afterwards he had a, he had a great quote, and I'm sure he didn't say this on TV, but the quote was, and you can find this on uh, the Internet, Joe Frazier said, That Mark Spitz is a bad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, it was an athlete from from every walk of, of, of sports, if you will. Like they would have, you know, a figure skater, uh, track and field, football, baseball, hockey, tennis, golf. You know, I mean, that that's the way it was. And I think they featured 12 different athletes every time. Am I wrong? Do you remember that correctly? Oh, no. Uh, that That's what I remember. I, you know more specifics than I do. But I remember it got me through the winter. I'll tell you, I super appreciate that show. All right, now, here was the, let's see, hang on a second. I wanted to find the first, the first year of, let's see, and I can't, I don't know if I've got it here. Maybe you've got it on your computer. But I wanted to find the first year of competition to talk about at least those first year, those first athletes. Bob Segrin, the pole vault guy from mm -hmm. the Olympics, he ended up winning it. Johnny Unitas was in it. Um... Oh God! Who are the other athletes? I just saw a big list. I'll Cookie put that Rojas. in the corrections. <laughs> no, no, they were big name athletes, okay. if I remember correctly. Uh, but anyway, Johnny Unitas finished dead last, and Bob Segrin, the pole vault guy, he finished first. Ah. And some of the other champions. I'm just going to rattle these off for you. 74, Kyle Root Jr., the soccer player. Remember him? Yeah, he was like the only soccer player anybody ever mentioned yes. for about 20 years or something oh yeah kyle soccer kyle road jr and pele yeah th those are the two that the, no one right. knew who anyone else was all right 1975 and you could see this he was a great athlete oj simpson of course mm -hmm. uh he was the winner um kyle wrote one at a couple more years in a row then wayne grimditch who was a water skier for god's sake ended up oh, winning it in 78 skier yeah, I know. Did he do, was he a professional at the Wisconsin Dells at the Tommy Bartlett uh, Ski uh, <laughs> Sky and uh, Water Show? I had totally <laughs> forgot about that, for God's sake. In Chicago, you would see those friggin' billboards, hey, Wisconsin Dells, the Tommy Bartlett Ski Show. For people that don't know, oh. this is the damnedest thing. I went to the Wisconsin Dells with my parents. We went to the Tommy Bartlett Show, where it's basically a bunch of people doing tricks on water skis. The, yep. the parking lot is full of all those all those cars that pull in, and they put a bumper sticker on everybody's back window, the Tommy Bartlett, on your car. 
And these are yes, not the kind of like that. magnet ones that they have nowadays. This is a fucking bumper sticker that you have to scrape <laughs> off with nail polish remover. <laughs> no, that that was that industrial strength glue. That was like military <laughs> right. glue, for God's sake. It was black and orange, I remember. Like every yes! car, they slapped it on. And there's some dumbass kids that are not even putting it on straight, for God's sakes. And yeah, your you're window. exactly right. It, <laughs> you're, so, so many of them were off kilter. You're like, that doesn't look so good. <laughs> and then you would drive around a lot. You see them a lot. People would sometimes leave them on. All right, I'm just going to throw out some names here real quick. Other winners, and it really doesn't matter, but Greg Pruitt, the football guy, yeah. I remember him. Cleveland Browns. Charles White. Cleveland also, uh, well, for the L.A. Rams, I believe, yeah. Yes, I think you're right. Ronaldo Nehemiah, and of course, that guy was a track and field, and he played football. He could do everything. Uh, he won it for three years. Mark Gastineau won it one year. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And, and then this is when it started to jump the shark, because who in the hell could beat these next, uh, for five years, one guy won it two years, then the next guy won it three years. How in the hell could you beat Herschel Walker or Willie Galt? Right. I mean, Her- Herschel Walker and Willie Galt, two physically, you know, I mean, they could run like the wind. They could jump. They were both track and field experts. I, hell, Herschel Walker went to the Olympics in the bobsled, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, uh, Willie Galt did, too. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think they both did. All right. So that's the superstars, which started in 73 and went all the way till the 90s. Then they brought it back. But we don't really f- want to focus that much on the superstars because that was the embryo that brought us to Battle of the Network Stars. It started in 1976 and went through 1988. Those were the real meat years. And those are the ones that you remember so vividly. And... Did you know that there were 19 episodes? They did one every six months, a season every six months. Okay. Uh, and it this happens now where it confuses me. Like it, you watch Survivor or something like that. They're on season 25. Well, that doesn't mean that it's been 25 years. They, right. They, and they don't necessarily do it every six months either. That's like, well. Okay, so how many years has the show been on? You never know because they never talk about it in terms of years. And, you know, there I could know. be two, and sometimes there might even be a special season, they, season quote-unquote, they sneak in, amazing race. So here we know um, it was on, yeah, for that period of time, but they did it twice a year. Well, 76 to 88, those were the media years. And, of course, and you alluded to it before, and I think he was really the key was the fact that Howard Cosell Howard right then, yes. he, he was firing in all cylinders. His ego was completely out of control. His sense of humor was was as good as it ever got. He yeah. was, you know, as famous as he could be. He had just, you know, done a couple of episodes of The Odd Couple. He had his own TV show, Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell. I mean, he was as <laughs> famous as you could possibly be. Yeah, he he was getting big and even bigger. And matter of fact, there was just one year that wasn't hosted by Howard Cosell. I don't have that year in front of me. But the reason he didn't host it was because he was in a contract dispute with ABC. Right. Yeah, I think it was 85 when he had that little falling out when he left Monday Night Football. But then he came back to do speaking of sports and, you know, boxing for a while. But yeah, you're exactly right. Every year except I think 85. They would have him with different co-hosts, right? Like, I'm trying to remember who the first one was. Do you remember for season one, 1976, who his co-host was? No, 19, the first one, they just say Howard Cosell. 
Okay. The second time, the the, the second one, and it was uh, in '77, uh, February 28th. And again, I'm reading this from the internet, but you have to because there are just so many names on this goddamn page. Right. But it was Howard Cosell, O.J. Simpson, and Bruce Jenner. Oh, that's <laughs> Which is right. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then the O.J. Simpson and Bruce Jenner. Uh, how, yeah. Think about this though. How freaking weird. O.J. Simpson, who, let's see. What was his relationship with the Jenner family? Wasn't the Kardashians' dad? Kardashians pr- was yes. one of the process. Was he one of the defense attorneys or one of the process? No, he was one of the defense attorneys for OJ at his yes. trial. Yeah, no how, kidding. How crazy that. is that? On ABC, it seemed like Cosell, Bruce Jenner, and OJ Simpson—they hosted everything. They were on everything. Sake. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Monday Night Football. I mean, Jenner wasn't on Monday Night Football, but. Yeah. No, but I mean, any, th- any sport that was just a generic sport, I mean, hey, get Bruce Jenner, good-looking guy, talks well, you know, I mean, he was great. And then on the third one, I believe yeah. that it got, Frank Gifford appeared uh, as the, um, uh, at least on one of them, for sure, he was the co-host with Howard well, Cosell. Okay, no, I, I can go through, I've got the list right okay. here, you ready? On, on the third episode, the third edition, I guess, when oh, Battle of the Network yeah. Stars 3, yeah. Howard Cosell, uh, Bruce Jenner, and Telly Savalas, who, of course, was a former captain. Episode four, (laughs) Howard Cosell, Bruce Jenner, and Suzanne Summers. Come and knock on our door. Then we get to number five, Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford. Number six, Jess Cosell. Number seven, Howard Cosell and Billy Crystal. Did Billy Crystal Uh, do his Howard Cosell impersonation? Well, I think that was his entire act back <laughs> right. then, if I remember. That, that and his Sam is Davis Jr. Howard, yeah, yeah. I've low like a butterfly, sing like a bee, but you don't sound anything like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Episode number uh, eight was Cosell and Joyce DeWitt. Come and knock on our door. <laughs> Episode nine, Howard Cosell and Kathy Lee Crosby. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to jump the shark. Episode number 10, Howard Cosell and Aaron Gray. Who is that? Uh, I think she substituted last minute for Brenda Vaccaro. But uh, <laughs> Aaron Gray was on Buck Rogers. Buck, okay. If you remember, with Gil Gerard. All right. Um, she, she was <laughs> pretty good Gerard. looking, too. Yeah. Well, they, oh my God! Well, they, 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 we'll talk more about it. But yes, I mean, there was never, never an absence of good-looking women in nice, tight track, you know, type outfits, you know, clingy. A lot of material that had a sheen to it, if I remember correctly. Well, like look at for that year, yeah. nineteen eighty. Some of the women that were in the show: Jenny Lee Harrison and Jillian Charlene Tilton. No, they, they didn't exactly they, have. Uh, 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 B. Arthur. Uh, That's exactly what I was going to say, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rue McClanahan. Now, that would have been okay. But uh... no, you you realize when they <laughs> when they went to the cast of Maud, they went right for Adrian Barbeau, who is in the first one, I believe. But B. Oh no, we don't need you, B. We don't need you for this one. Yes. Matter of fact, uh, CBS, 1977, Jimmy Walker was the captain, and then Adrian Bimbo is listed second, and Valerie Bertinelli after that. So, <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Let's go back to the first one in 76, because that is such a classic one. Because and do you remember who the, the captains were? And I've got it in front of me. See if you can do it by memory. 
The captain. I mean, this is this is the ultimate. Yes, battle of the network stars. It never got any better than this. We had C- ABC was captained by the reluctant Gabe Kaplan. He didn't yep. want to do it. They wanted Lee Majors, but and there was another guy. I forget. Uh, they asked to do it, but he didn't want to do it either. So finally, he said, "I'll do it." Uh, CBS was captained by Telly Savalas. And then NBC by everyone's great favorite crazy ass MF or actor who's even nuttier in real life than he seemed on TV, like in terms of machoism, Robert Conrad. And he was my mom's dry cleaning delivery man in Winnetka, Illinois. No way. You, I swear to you. Well, that's what Brian McPrangley always said. And I think my mom did too. She died when I was 13, so I don't remember. But yes, Robert Conrad, they all grew up in that same area. You know, they all went to New Trier, I think, or New Trier East or whatever the hell. But yeah, he was a Winnetka guy. So, but yes, did you're you know exactly- that Robert Conrad was so hard to handle when he was growing up in Chicago? His mom took him to a boxing gym and said, do something with this kid. I need to get him under control. And he, they became a. <laughs> Uh, you know, an avid boxer for his whole life. He basically wanted to beat the shit out of everybody that he saw, I think, pretty much. It's so funny that you would bring this up and actually have facts behind it because I just watched some videos and I actually, in my notes, and I put it in quotes, I said, Robert Conrad is a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Well... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, go ahead and tell the story of of what happened here on this show because he he basically damn near lost it completely and you know showed the world uh, you, that he was nuts. It was the relay race and yeah. Robert Conrad captains the NBC team. Telly Savalas, CBS gave Kaplan ABC. There's a problem with the NBC team. One of the one of the runners started to run too quickly or, you know, uh, you know, when they do the handoff, you're supposed to start at a certain point and then you go to another point, you can hand it off then. Well, one of the runners started too early. So it's like a slower runner gave it to a faster runner too early. So the faster runner got to run an extra 20 yards or something like that. You know, and, and, and again, this wasn't Olympic competition. This was like, uh, yeah, I think the commissioner was some Yahoo was actually an ABC sports flunky, if I remember correctly. But anyway, so so NBC wins, but Gabe Kaplan of ABC fires, uh, files an objection. He says, wait a minute. No, that, that's not wait a fair. Minute. Yeah. Am just, I wrong? Just to do a correction, it was Telly Savalas, I believe, that filed the objection. You're right. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because and, he was the kind of guy to do that. Kaplan, he didn't even give a shit, basically. He's just going to let it go. You were exactly right. And if if I remember correctly, Telly Savalas is pitching a fit, and he's got a cigarette yeah. in his mouth. Yeah. And he's all <laughs> mad, and he's like, he's got a full cigarette, which really goes to show the extent of the athletic competition that was right. going on here. And then they bring in Robert Conrad, and I think Robert Conrad was yeah, smoking, too. Kaplan... Uh, got in the middle and was trying to yeah. say something like, well, why don't we work out this? Because what happened is the end result of it would be to launch ABC into the lead in the race. And Savalas wanted that because they were the worst team at this point, And he wanted to go in the finals against ABC rather than NBC. So he wanted NBC disqualified. So <laughs> Conrad gets on the air. He said, all right, this, Kaplan starts to say, well, this is what we ought to do. We should do a race or something like that. And he says, listen to this guy. He likes to, this guy, he's Jewish. He wants to negotiate. And he says, and this guy's, Savalas yes. is Greek. I forget. 
I forget what he insulted him, said uh, um, he likes to cheat or something. He said, and I'm German and I want to kill both of them you know, on TV. God, your memory is infallible. I, you're well, exactly right. I remember right. that vaguely, but I did some research. But I mean, like, certainly you couldn't say that today. But I mean, to say something like that, to immediately cut Kaplan off and basically say this Jew is trying to negotiate out of this, you know, like, God, what the hell? <laughs> Jeez. But Cap, that, but then somehow or another, you can fill in the gaps here. How did it get to be that the way they were going to solve this this problem was some Conrad got all macho and he's like, "I'll challenge you to a race, captain yeah. to captain, man to man. That's the way we settle it." And Kaplan said, "Okay, let's do that. I'll race you." But you're not disqualifying us for a technicality. We did not disqualify you, Bob. You're not disqualifying. Start the tug of war between ABC and the and the CBS. Bob, you haven't been disqualified. I'm the captain of this team. We ran a damn good race. You're right, you did. But you would have finished second had Ben... Like hell. Like hell. Like hell. Like hell. That's it. Bob... I want, I want to be very careful. Get his team out there, run it with us. We'll, we're determine who the best team is. You're, you're going for a little negotiation technicality. That's your captain. He lodged the protest. You and I want to run a hundred to see who the fastest yes, is. Yes. Yes. Go. All right. All right. Wow. We've had a whole change here. They run the race. They have to run the whole race, not between two people. Howard. Farrah, baby, I'm not in charge of the rules committee, but clearly. Controversy has beset the Battle of the Network Stars. Gozell back with a big brouhaha on this, the Battle of the Network Stars. Remember, in the running relay, NBC apparently won, but was penalized when Ben Murphy picked up the baton too early. The net results, Bob Conrad, NBC captain, threatened to withdraw his team from the competition. Gabe Kaplan was ameliorative, agreed to a runoff between him and Conrad. So they did a 100-yard run, uh, like around the, halfway around the track. So they start at one side and they go around the turn and they come back. And of course, Robert Conrad, because he has to be the macho guy, they start out and he runs full speed. And Gabe Kaplan, because he, he didn't give a shit, but he's like, okay, I'll run, I'll run, run. And he was like the closer. He was like Zenyatta. So Robert Conrad runs right, he's running, running, he's going crazy. And then Dave Cap, uh, Gabe Kaplan just blows right by him and wins by like two furlongs. I mean, he won by, he blew he won by daylight. And the funniest thing is, if you watch it, you got to watch this clip. <laughs> Conrad starts off, you know, like the runners do. Well, he's running out of the blocks where he's got his hands on the ground. Right. And Kaplan's just basically like standing there, you know, kind of getting ready to go. And then Conrad is running so fast, but you can see his little legs popping. Yeah, and it was, it's just, he's going so hard. But Kaplan, who's not a great athlete, yep. I mean, just takes him over. It's like... And the, here's the funny thing. I don't know if you know this or not. Gabe Kaplan has a uh, hairpiece that he wore on Welcome Back, Cotter. And uh, what it was, he was losing his hair in the front. So the show creator created a hairpiece. So he appeared to have the big afro. And he was wearing it during Battle of the Network Stars. And everything was okay, except during the race, he could feel his hair coming off. And he said, I damn near thought that it was going to come off and my career would be over. Can you imagine his... Because he said it was like hanging by a thread, like like literally like a thread. And it could have blown <laughs> oh off. God. But he was like, well, what do I do? Do I reach up and grab it? And then he saw that he was going to overtake. He's like, screw it. You know, just, I don't care. Let it blow up. And it didn't fly off. But at the, after it was over, he reached over and was like, holy shit, this, this almost came off. I'm so damn lucky. Uh, 
you you summed it up perfectly because as I was watching that clip, I wrote down Robert Conrad is a dick, and at the same time I was thinking, boy, you know, Gabe Kaplan seems like a guy I'd like to have a sandwich yeah. with. Well, you know, tell you what, um, here's another example of how they rip off my show because we listened to the Gabe yeah. Kaplan uh, podcast. Uh, I mean, um, Gilbert's uh, Gilbert Gottfried's uh, colossal podcast. I listened to it. I'm sure you did too. Where he talks about this episode with yes. battle and the network stars. And he he talks about a lot of other things. He was fascinating. I mean, he didn't, He's old now. He's like 77 or something, but he sounded just the same. He didn't sound arrogant. He told a lot yeah. of great stories, and he talked about how he was kind of a reluctant captain. And when he was going to do this race, I guess Farrah Fawcett said, um, you know, don't, what are you doing? You're, you're going to you, you can't win this. Like they, nobody had any confidence in him. And turns out, you know, they won the race and uh, Conrad could not have been more of a dick to him afterwards. Basically slapped him on the face a little bit. And afterwards, they almost got into it because uh, he blamed Kaplan, even though it was Savalas that blew the whistle on him. But I mean, we're going on and on about this, but this is to be the biggest moment <laughs> in the history of Battle of the Network Stars. It kind of set the tone for the whole show. Oh, you're you are exactly right, and uh, we know more about this race than we do every gold medal winning sprint race in the Olympics of the last fifty years. Carl Lewis, I don't give a shit. Gabe Kaplan, that's what I want to see. You know. Well, I don't want to hijack the show, but I want to say one no. more thing about this race. Please, if you have an extra five bucks and you go online and download uh, issue number four. 2021 of Emmy Magazine, Gabe Kaplan wrote a whole article about this race and about his relationship with Robert Conrad and about his captainship on Battle of the Network Stars. I've got it. I'll be happy to share it with you, Jim, but not with yeah. other people because then I'll get sued. Right. I, it's like five uh, anyway, he talks about visiting Robert Conrad on his deathbed, basically. He wasn't quite on the deathbed, but he was at the end of his life, and they finally after all those years, talked and patched and had a drink together and patched things up. And uh, it was a pretty good conversation, and they were, you know, friendly at the end. But uh, it was real animosity. And uh, Kaplan was kind of like, what is this all about? This is crazy, you know. And But Conrad was not that way. And, you know, um, and as you know, Kaplan captained ABC for the next four years. And Conrad... Uh, captained once or twice more or no maybe three or four times more actually and so they were both regular fixtures from there on out for a while until about 1980 yeah you're exactly right you're you're, you're and, and gabe kaplan won at the first and the third year robert conwet red and nbc won at the second year so but you know wait I, a minute I really, yeah am i wrong according to my research and i'm sorry okay i no, it's i'm okay. not trying to reduce your credibility because i but i have the information that i have Right. Is that NBC did win it the first year? Is that not? Is that wrong? And, and Gabe Kaplan won it the second year. Well, the one I have, Battle of the Network Stars, won ABC winner Gabe Kaplan, captain. That's what it says on okay. mine. But well, I've knows? got some bad information here, and now that you mention it, yeah, my information shows me that in 1978 CBS was the winner, which I find very hard to believe because the captain was Tony Randall. You know what? I saw that, too. Was it 78 or was it? Hang on a second. Uh, yes, you're exactly right. 78. Tony Randall, Kevin Dobson. I don't even know who the hell that is. Uh, James MacArthur, Denise Nichols. Do you know any of these people? No, but let me talk about a couple of 
uh, speaking of unlikely captains, here's a few people that were, to me, Tony Randall's at the top of the list for unlikely captains, and he won the thing. Jimmy Walker is, seems to me the unlikely captain yeah. from CBS from 1977. Jamie Farr, CBS 1980. That, he won the thing, yeah. Jamie Farr. Well, but, you know, I mean, the captain, remember, the captain didn't always compete. As a matter of fact, sometimes the captain only competed in a couple of events. Uh, you okay. know, and, and, That's and, true. Well, you know, wait a minute. Now, yeah. hang on a second. Here, when Jamie Farr won it for CBS, listen to this lineup. Yeah. Catherine Bach. Okay. who I met, who's a sweetheart, uh, but time she was in good shape. Valerie Bertinelli, who was 17, she could probably, she could <laughs> she could run like the wind, right? Yeah. Patrick Duffy, uh-huh. who's probably a pretty good athlete at that point. You know, he was in good shape. Lou Ferrigno, I mean, the guy could lift the friggin' planet. Yeah. Leif Garrett, how in the hell did Leif Garrett get in there? <laughs> um, yeah, well. Victoria Principal and Gary Sandy from KRP, who at the time was a young man, probably a good athlete too. So there you go. That's a pretty good team. Okay. And then on the other hand, you're right. And then on another hand, an example of a team that did not win it had Barbara Mandrell as a captain and Skip Stevenson on the team. Uh, so they lost out to Tom Selleck's team. <laughs> so there you go. That plays right in. We c- now, my favorite captain of all time, okay. 1984, Flip Wilson. Is that classic or oh, what? Flip Wilson was about 15 years past his prime at that point. I'm amazed he was yeah. still on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, yes, I see that. Flip Wilson, he didn't win, though. He lost to William Devane, the CBS captain that year. Bill Devane was like a mini Robert Conrad, right? Like a, I don't think he was nuts like Robert Conrad, but he was like a kind of a tough guy. Yeah. Like he's one of those guys. Looked like he was always in really good shape, even for he's probably fifty-five years old, six, you know, and really strong, got muscles and everything like that. Like he thinks he's a he's a poor man's Charles Bronson or whatever. But uh, and he played a lot of interesting roles. I think was he in Falcon Crest or shows like that? Yeah. Well, that's where he cashed his checks. He did a lot of early TV and theater and stuff. But then he did. Yeah, I think he did Falcon Crest, and he was like the lead character. Yeah, I think he cashed a lot of checks then later. I think he might still be alive. Is he? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. That's one for the. All right, I'll put it in the corrections. But I think I looked him up recently because I always liked him. I always thought he was pretty cool. No, it's funny. I mean, we could if we read every single competitor in the meat and potato years of of the superstars or the (laughs) Battle of the Network stars. It would just. I mean, it, it would take forever because there are just so many. Uh, recognizable okay. celebrities. Then there are ones you're like, who the hell is that? Ooh. Ooh. Go ahead. Ooh. Horseshack. He wasn't on there as far as I know. Um, but let me give you two of the the ones that were the biggest pain in the ass. You know, like they okay. talk about people you'd like to punch. They have a punchable face or something like that. I'm not saying I want to punch these people, but there's some celebrities that you just can't get away from in certain pockets in time. Okay. And during Battle of the Network Stars, there was a couple of them. Scott Bayo was one who became... This is when we realized how annoying it is to see Scott Bayo too much. Yeah. Because uh, he was winning all kinds. He was going crazy. He was, like, taking it way too seriously. And so I just got annoyed with him. And then there was Adrian Zemed was on there. Oh, but during, well, we're all trying to figure out who is Adrian Zemed and why is he on TV? I think he was on TJ Hooker. And does he have any talent? And we figured out the answer to that. 
And then plus in the Chicago area, we had to see him more because he was on Chicago. So we'd always show up at the Cubs game and stuff like yeah. that because he was from Chicago. <laughs> he he showed so, up with a Harry Carey roast and did and, and totally <laughs> laid an egg. He laid a complete egg, if I remember correctly. Well, of course he did because he's Adrian Zemed. I mean, like, so, it's like, where did he come from? So anyway, I wanted to say we can't name everybody, but I wanted to give special mention to those those people uh, that. All right, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Listen to this ABC team that won with Scott Bayo. You talk about a cavalcade of A-list babes, A-plus women. Listen to this. What year we got here? We got 1981. Yeah. The a- ABC team had Kathy Lee Crosby, and at the time, mm-hmm. you know, she was a good-looking woman. Donna Dixon. Remember her? Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. gorgeous. Uh, uh, Telma Hopkins, another beauty, and yeah. Ann Jillian. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about babes. Wasn't she on It's a Living? Remember that, where she works yeah, as uh, a yeah. cocktail waitress? Yeah, a horrible show. It's a living. Yeah. Great theme song. Horrible show. Life's not the French Riviera. Remember, they changed cast every year. One year, Louis, uh, Louise Lasser was one of the babes, which was just so uh, impossible to believe because they were all supposed to be hot babes, and here's Louise Lasser, Mary That's Hartman. right, yeah. Well, who was the piano player? Was it Denny Terrio or somebody like no, that? But he, or was no, but he, he uh, was David Groh. No, no. If if you yeah. couldn't get Denny Terrio or David <laughs> Groh, you David Groh, you would get this guy. Um, and I'll put his name in the corrections. I always forget his name, but yeah, that's like the only thing he ever did. But he was just like that annoying white guy with curly hair. <laughs> it's a living. Okay, I didn't think we were going to give so much uh, discussion to It's a Living. Okay, yeah, and then, of course, Scott Baio, and then the men he had on that team, I have no idea who they are. Sam J. Jones, Douglas Barr, and then Andrew Stevens, I remember him vaguely. I think he was on he was on some miniseries like the, the Blue and the Gray or something like that, and then was on later, like, again, Falcon Crest or some show like that. Um, I, that was on CBS, but uh, well, and, you know what I'm saying. And, you know, it's funny to go back because there are some of these guys that were on shows that got canceled after, like, three or four months, but yet somehow they managed. Like Flip Wilson. What the hell did he do? I mean, he hadn't, ha- yeah. he hadn't had a show since, you know, his NBC show got canceled in what? I don't know, 72? 73 right so i mean they might have been in a show for a couple of months and eh, we'll put them in battle the networks and who knows when they taped it the show might have been a hit or been debuting you know so right you didn't have to be a regular on a show for a long time to be on there for example david letterman was on there when he was on 
I didn't even remember he was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, and that show is horrible. Oh, my God. Keaton, yeah. Michael Keaton was in that show, too, and it's unwatchable. It's really, it's so, and there's so many talented people in the cast, but it's terrible. So he was in there in 1978. McLean Stevenson was the captain. Was that during the Hello, Larry? Well, of years? course. Or is that mashed up? I'm sure it was. <laughs> well, Hello, Larry, or the McLean Stevenson show, <laughs> or um, In the Beginning, or what was another one of his failed shows? He had about four right. of them in a row. Oh. Now, do you know do you know the Don Adams story? Do you remember when Don Adams was on Battle of the Network Stars? I no, I don't. Okay, this is a great story, and, and I can't find the clip of it, but I remember it vividly. Now, in order to tell this story, we should mention some of the, the, the events. And, of course, we remember swimming relay. They did tennis, golf, a bike relay, volleyball, running relay. Bowling. Loretta Swit was a big bowler. They had bowling for a year or two. But the two that I think that everyone remember the best, and I'll throw mm, it over yeah. to you. What are your two favorite ones, the two favorite events? T- the the uh, the tug of war right yeah and then i'm not sure what you're going to say for the other one it was like obstacle course obstacle course that was always the highlight i think they always showed that last which brings me to don adams because don adams and this was after get smart so i don't know what team he was competing with yeah but i remember it was don adams and he gets out there and they go and what does don adams do he breaks like a bullet and he goes and like a bullet, and and he goes to the monkey bars. But what does he do? He takes his hand and just touches the monkey bars, but he stays on the ground and just runs through the monkey bars. Then comes the water, where you had to do the, you know, you had to grab the rope and swing over the water. What does he do? He runs straight through the water. Then comes the wall, <laughs> where you had, to, you had to jump the wall. So he runs right around the wall. And then there are oh t- the tires. And what does he do? He just goes right on top of the tires and one, two, three, and just jumps over the tires. So he gets to the end, and it's like record time. 18.3 seconds or something <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> but, of course, with the penalties, he was dead last. <laughs> but it was so great to see. And they showed it in slow motion. And here's Don running right through the water. <laughs> And then coming right up to the um, wall and running right. No, it was hilarious. It was it was one of the best. Uh, Don Adams, I didn't even think was in good enough shape to do even that. So I would, I'm, I'm going to go research that one after the show. Well, he I'd looked good, but that. he was one of those guys, again, that was like a four-pack-a-day smoker. So I, yeah. I think he realized, I'm not going to do well in this. Toupee, one. leathery skin, pencil-thin mustache, yeah. 61 years old, smokes a lot. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He did what he could do. All right, you hey, know, we haven't I... we haven't talked enough about Cosell, which I think is very important. Right. Because Cosell really, and again, he had his A game. He understood that this was entertainment, but at the same time, there was some athleticism. So he would really present it like it was a serious sporting event, but at the same time, mm-hmm. take a little jab every now and then. And the thing that I love is the fact that, and I think I'm the first one, he's already starting to flirt with the ladies a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah, he did that a lot. And I can't remember, it was like a swimming competition, and I want to say it was Adrian Barbeau, of course, in a swimsuit. You know, that's Adrian <laughs> Bimbo. And I can't remember who the second one was, but it was another, you know, real good-looking woman in her 20s. And, of course, he's not being inappropriate, 
But he, I remember once, and it was still in that first one, I think, where where Farrah Fawcett comes over and she says something, and he says, he says, "Listen, I'm not the judge, Farrah baby. I'm just doing the announcing here." He calls her Farrah baby. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So he was, you know, and of course the women loved, they loved him like they loved their favorite uncle, you know, I mean, and Cosette flirt with him, hey, you know, how you doing there, sweetie, and all this stuff, but... Uh, yeah, he could get away with that, because back then you could talk different, and plus, I'm sorry, I guess I'm not, a, there's no accounting for taste, but I don't think, do you think there's any women that would actually feel like you know, they would want to date Howard Cosell at that time. I mean, you know, I don't think he was going to get much action. No, no, he, he, I think right. he was, he was what you would call a harmless flirt. I mean, there are right. stories about him charming cocktail waitresses or charming, you know, stewardesses, but they all knew. I mean, you know, Howard was always going home to Emmy. And he, he was never a serious threat. Now, if it was Robert Conrad, maybe a different story. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> or even somebody that you would think would be harmless, but actually maybe wasn't so, like Bob Hope, you know, or something. Like right, that. Bob Hope or, uh, or Burl uh, right. Ives. <laughs> <laughs> Burl Ives. <laughs> Poor Barbara Eden to this day. She has she has bad dreams about Burl Ives, and he's been dead for 30 years. <laughs> Wait a minute, he's dead? I thought he was alive. I learned something every day. He fa- Listen, God. again, he's another guy who faked his death so he could get out of the taxes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're not supposed to talk about that. He lives at the North Pole. Well, it's a little-known fact. That's right. Yeah. He, and he, he, wears a, he wears a green plaid cap, and he still has, you know, the goatee yeah. and the mustache. You're exactly right, yeah. Yeah. You know, He'll Burl Ives. You, do you remember Burl Ives? You, and this is a $1,000 Jeopardy question. Do you remember Burl mm-hmm. Ives' nickname when they would introduce him? Like if, if he'd be on the Johnny Cash show, he was the great something. Here he is, the great... Blank Burl the great Gildersleeve. No, the great Gildersleeve. No, he was either the great the great balladeer or the great troubadour. Those were the two that they really? would use. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome with me the great American balladeer, Mr. Burl Ives. A little bit of fear left me down. Boil my act as a clown I had it made up not to make a frown But a little bit of tear let me down Never knew that. No. Hmm. Yeah, wow. I, I, I was just watching a Johnny Cash clip, and uh, and I got to say, Burl Ives, you can tell he's on the downside. His, his voice is getting a little gravelly, and it sounds like he's, he's kind of gasping for air, but he still sounds pretty freaking good. <sighs> Jimmy crack horn and I don't care. <laughs> you, you know what? He might have sang Jimmy crack corn. Now that I think about it, it was Jim another Master's one of those songs. It, it might have been, might have been the blue tail fly. All right. <laughs> oh God. One one of those public domain songs that I might be able to actually throw in the podcast and get away with. So if I can, I will. Yeah. Good. All right. So we talked about Cosell, and do you remember? And they only did it for a few years. But do you remember when they featured the dunk tank? I sure do. I remember, I'm trying to think, I'm picturing um, Dick Van Patten in the duck tank. I mean, might have been, you, you, you probably remember better than I, but they did. It was just like a, a weird thing where they had two or three of them, all, all three captains or whoever was assigned sitting in a row, just like at a carnival. They're just throwing the right, balls and right. laughing cracking jokes to each other whether they're funny or not it's a separate story but uh 
Yeah, I remember the dunk tank. Of course, you're not my favorite. You remember Dick Van Patten in the dunk tank. See, I remember Catherine Bach and Farrah Fawcett and Joyce DeWitt. Ah. But you remember Dick Van Patten, which is okay. You know, that's fine. <laughs> Selecting Maud Adams as the dunky. Maud Adams, subversive, involving the extent of her relationship with co-star Bruce Dern, who was quoted as saying certain things about the extent of the relationship between them. But right now, Maud Adams more concerned with Mimi Kennedy and the throw and the miss, which is obviously a great relief. And then that, and the hit, and Maud Adams goes into the dunk. I wondered if I could sneak in something. Go ahead. Could I give you a little theater of the mind? Because I was thinking that this was such an amazing show. Yeah. We were kind of robbed. We were robbed of Battle of the Network stars that could have taken place in prior years. So I wanted to give you a little theater of the mind. Let's just say that they started the show not in 1976, but in 1968. So... I wanted to give you who I thought would be a representative lineup for each of the three networks. We'll do this real quick, but I think uh, I try to pick who would be appropriate uh, for the show, including the captainship for each of ABC, CBS, and NBC, based on the shows that were on in 1968. Can I do that real well, quick? Well, you know, I, no, great minds think alike, and I'll tell you here in a second, but yes, go ahead, man. 1968, here we are. Okay, so... CBS Team 1968, I've got the captain as Frank Sutton, yeah, Sergeant Carter. Oh, good one. Uh, yeah. Then I've got um, a cast, you know, the team members, Clint Howard from Gentle Ben, Sebastian Cabot, <laughs> Max Baer Jr., Arnold Ziffel, Richard Dawson, and Francis Bavier for the swimming only. Um, ABC. Don Rickles, Captain, but we've got Captain Emeritus, so to speak, Lawrence Welk, you know, kind of oh, conducting. Yes, perfect. Yeah, right. And we got Lee Majors from Big Valley, Agnes Moorhead, Dick Cavett, Bernie Coppell, and Marlo Thomas for the swimming against Francis Bavier. Um, and then finally, for NBC, and I think you'll agree with me, like the Robert Conrad type Captain, Lauren Green, okay, from Bonanza. But I did do a Captain Emeritus here, Marlon Perkins from Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. God. Jerry Lewis, Raymond Burr in a wheelchair as Ironside. That would be, you know, for the obstacle course. <laughs> Harry Morgan, Bill Shatner, and the Gold Diggers for the swimming from the Dean Martin Roast for the swimming competition. So God. Would you watch that show? You know, that's brilliant. And uh, and I I feel I'm embarrassed because I kind of went down the same uh, avenue. I was actually going to did yeah. Well, I was going to lie to you, and I was going to say you know the first uh, Battle of the Network Stars, they taped it, but they couldn't air it. <laughs> it's good. It, 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 yeah, it's kind of like when I did Holloway High. And told you it was a real show, but it wasn't. <laughs> well, the, the reason that they couldn't air it is because CBS fielded a very weak uh, weak team that year uh for the first superstars in 1976 their team was composed of william conrad <laughs> <laughs> he'd be good at running <laughs> he'd be good uh, at nothing in a suit. <laughs> but he'd be carry a gun <laughs> uh, william conrad buddy epson mike wallace <laughs> nancy walker Johnny Brown, yeah. Yeah. but Johnny Brown, of course, was, do you remember him? 
He was the janitor on What's Happening. Not What's Happening, Good Times, but yes, you're right. Oh, Good Times, uh, that's right. Ellen Corby. Oh, Ellen Corby was the grandma on the wall. <laughs> Very good, yes. <laughs> and, and, and finally, the captain was Bob Keeshan. <laughs> and running the obstacle course was Mr. Moose. <laughs> yeah, he would have got entangled in there. That would have worked out too well. All right, so in the ropes. All right, I like yours better. Very good. Yeah, no, you you put more effort no, into yours, so good. I like yours. <laughs> no, no, I think yours is excellent too. But yeah, wouldn't have been that great. I feel like we were robbed of that. That yep. if only it could have gone back in time. That's what I would do if we could go back in a time, in you know time travel was possible i'd be a tv exec for abc transworld go back to 1968 64 and start it up then what fun could we have getting these people uh together for that kind of competition but you know what we should for a future episode we'll pick 1955 we'll pick 1960 because we'll go with five-year increments we'll go 1950 55 and 60 and we'll come up with our teams. Because I think that would be, you know, there were enough shows on back then. We could come up with some all-star teams, I think. I'm sure that we could. Um, but this is a lot of fun right now. So where are, we gonna, where are you going to take us next? There's a great clip where Howard Cosell is explaining the dunk tank. It was the first time that they had done it. And not that you have to explain the dunk, ta- dunk tank. But he's like, and the captain right here. And for, for God's sake, it might have been Dick Van Patten, if I remember correctly now. But they have Howard there and says, this is an old, you know, carnival thing. But what we're going to do is each uh, each celebrity is going to get three balls and they get to throw it. And Cosell is going to demonstrate. And he does it and he throws and he hits it right in the center. And bam, whoever it is falls into the water. But then when you real- you watch it back, Howard Cosell is like three feet away. Uh-huh. Whereas the rest <laughs> of the celebrities were like 30 feet away, yeah. you know. Oh, my God. If I can find that clip, I'll put it in because, you know, he and of course, he's doing the Cosell. And of course, let me demonstrate for those of you at home that aren't aware of the subtle nuances of the dunk tank. (laughs) You know, that reminds me that is classic, too. Did you notice that when Cosell does the broadcast, he does it in sort of he he does goof around with the women and, and even the men and everything like that. There's no doubt about it. But when he's doing the play by play of the swimming or yeah. the obstacle course, he does it just like, you know, kind of straight, kind of serious. Look at Bayo go. He's destroying the car, you know. And but it's very smooth. You could tell they weren't doing that live, I don't think. You tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe that well. everything was live but that they went to the studio and smoothed over the play-by-play because the clips that I you know what that's that is a great point and I hadn't thought about that but that's how Cosell used to do the halftime highlights of course on Monday Night Football and it was kind of like that same thing where you're like Robert Conrad right there acting like a dick again that man is an asshole you know I mean it's so um, smooth and he's got so much it's like he never slips up I just believe that they must have taped that uh, because it's so rapid fire. And um, like even when he gives the rules, I don't like he's talking, he's interviewing, he's like, and now quickly the rules. And he goes, oh, he goes over these 10 rules and everything. Like, I don't think he just remembered that shit off the top of his head and he wasn't looking at no, it. No, I think you're right. I, I think you're right about the rules because I remember yeah. they would do a full screen graphic. 
if I remember correctly. So I I know you're right about the rules, and I wonder about the play-by-play. You're probably right on that, too, because it was. It was perfect, and you could tell. I mean, he was right there. Like, if if one swimmer would overtake another, he would would tell. And Jimmy Walker, look at Jimmy. Oh, he's got a half a length lead, you know. So he couldn't have been. He couldn't have been standing there on site because he wouldn't have been able to see it. You know, and I'm sure they didn't have a press box. Waiting for the starting gun. Both girls poised the gun off. Christy McNichol getting up a quick early lead. Working the lifesavers, as you call the tires very well. On the handlebars, Christy McNichol with a possible penalty, but Melissa Gilbert in real trouble. So Christy McNichol off by herself. Handles the water hole easily. Christy McNichol with a quick and easy victory over Melissa Gilbert. Look at the determination on her face. Are we going to talk a little bit about any of the offshoots or no? Well, go ahead. What do you got? Because I got a couple. Okay. In 2005, a show called Battle of the Network Reality Stars, hosted by Mike Mike Why are you bringing this up? Oh, this is a (laughs) steaming turd in a punch bowl. Oh, God. All right, keep going. It was really bad. It was only six episodes. They had this, you know, people from Survivor and um, Amazing Race, Road World, Real World, Big Brother and stuff. It was crap. Um 2017, there was a reboot of this that I think just went the one year, and it was done through ABC, this now in conjunction with ESPN, hosted by Mike Greenberg and Joe Tessitore, that dude that was on Monday Night Football for some reason for a year or two. (laughs) Um, Now, I have to say, I don't have all the... I actually, they had a lot of good celebrities on there. The, The couplings were pretty good. I mean, they had... Um, they would couple them by, you know, former uh, sitcom actors against the soap actors. And there was a lot of, the, it, I never even knew this show was on. I never saw it even one time. But it was a little bit different. They had these, they grouped them by the kind of shows they were on. And then there were these celebrity coaches. And I think that what happened was, I'm guessing, no traction here because... Nobody wants to see that anymore. There's too many TV shows on. Back in the day when it was ABC, CBS, NBC, that was it. And those were the shows. Yeah. That was the universe of shows that we were watching. It's Welcome Back, Cotter against Fonzie. To me, the best spinoff of all, it might have even been better than the Battle of the Network Stars, was Battle of the PBS Stars on SCTV. <laughs> Remember where they had the fake Howard Cosell? Here's a boxing match. Julia Child versus Fred Rogers. Rogers lands a left. Child with a right. Boop, boop, boop. He's down. Down goes Rogers. You know, and then they had all the PBS stars um, you know, competing against each other, and it was just amazing class. Did you see that? You know, I remember it only... From your recreations, I don't think I can find a clip on YouTube, oh. but it sounds great. It's got it, Martin Short as Fred Rogers and John Candy as Julia Child in the boxing match, and they got like King Friday, the puppet in the corner as the trainer and stuff. <laughs> Lady Elaine Fairchild, I presume. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, that's what I remember from the spinoffs. But the other thing is, I wanted to ask you before I forget, just because I'm on a roll, I'll yeah. shut up. I promise. Do you think that the stars were forced to do this show, or did they want to do it? I think it was one of those situations where they were gently nudged to do uh-huh. the show. And guess who never was on Battle of the Network Stars and was summarily fired after season three of his show? Fred Berry. Uh-huh. 
So is there a connection or what? <laughs> now wait, no, did he? Now wait, he quit, then he got fired, or he threatened okay. to quit, then he got fired. Yeah, no, that was the Fred Berry story because he did that three times, I think. If he would have uh, only been on Battle of the Network Stars, it would have bought him the goodwill he got to get fired only twice. Right. Well, now you mentioned the spinoffs, and I and I let you go through your list of them, and I just mm-hmm. got to tell you two things. Number one. Mm-hmm. One of the reboots, and I just happened to Google this, and I, it was a review of one of them. And I, I think it was from 2009. And here's the headline. ABC ruins a golden old weird show. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so, from so what I didn't year? Even, uh, 2009. So what reboot would that have been? I don't hmm. know. I don't have that in my notes. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Maybe that was the maybe that was the reality show people. I don't know. I have that uh, as maybe two thousand. Anyway, you know. All right, you know what? Maybe it was two thousand seventeen. I don't know, but it was a review that just said ABC ruins it, and of course they yeah. did. But, 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 but you didn't mention by far the best of the spinoffs, and, and I'm okay. sure the PBS one was good, but yeah. I can't believe you don't remember the spinoff. Um. Are you talking about Laugh Olympics? Laugh Olympics, yes, indeed, <laughs> where all the cartoon characters went up against each other. Yeah. Heaven's hilarity. This is it, sports fans, participants, even. Television's greatest array of stars. Laugh Olympics presents the round the world triple team competition between the Yogi Yahoois, the Scooby Doobies, and the really rotten's. The players are on the field, in the stadium even. So let's get on with it. Laugh Olympics. A lot of the stuff is kind of repeated. It's like they've got footage that they drew, and it's like, okay, well, we'll draw this, and we'll throw this in again. It was very repetitive. I don't remember really liking that show when it was on. Do you recall whether you actually actively watched it when it was in first run? Yes. No, I remember. I, I, I watched it, and I liked it, and there were a lot of penalties, if I remember correctly. I remember Dick Dastardly and Muttley always somehow cheating, and they'd always get thrown down into last place. But do you agree with me that they really can't, they shouldn't and can't and probably for sure won't uh, do this ever again because TV has changed so much right now in terms of the, you know, it's just too too broad of a landscape. There's not enough of a core compression of stars where people are all that, going to be all that interested in seeing people battle against each other. There's There's too many random celebrities out there. And even in 1979 or 1981 or 1983, if you didn't know who a celebrity was, you would say, hey, who's that guy? Oh, he's on Falcon Crest. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, someone in the room always had the answer. Yeah, that was close enough. Like, you knew Falcon Crest, and you know, yeah, it's on network. I it's, I choose not to watch it because I'm watching, uh, you know, Barney Miller instead at the time or whatever. But, yeah, it was all, it was like now there's like 10,000 shows. So it's like, right. who, what? What show? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have time to watch well, that. Yeah. And eighty percent of the eighty percent of the celebrities were A list. I mean, Farrah Fawcett, Gabe Kaplan, Ron Howard, Robin Williams. You know, all the stars ABC had. I mean, you know, we go on and on and on. I will I will agree with you one hundred percent in that respect. And throw on top of that, they couldn't do it again because I don't think. And again, he doesn't get enough credit, but I don't think you're going to get another guy to do it as well as Cosell did because I think he was no. just great on that show. 
There'll never be another Howard Cosell. He's very similar to a Harry Carey. I mean, a one-of-a-kind personality. This could serve as the clearinghouse, the starting point, for 50 more shows. Just by talking about the different casts and the shows they were on, we could just use oh, we this. Could, we could probably pick a year, because they did two yeah. every year, right? Right, yeah. I mean, for instance, okay, I'm just going to do this for fun, okay? 1981, they did two episodes, okay? Right. Here, here we go. ABC, and I'm just going to go real quick. The captain was Robert Urich. Vegas, Dan Tana. Or was he on SWAT at that time? No, I think he was Vegas. Uh, Chicago guy, as a matter yeah, of fact. Chicago uh, guy. Yeah, Scott Baio. Melanie Chardoff. Wasn't oh. she in Fridays? Yeah, we talked about her. Like some of the yes. you know, no talent, like who is she related to kind of a thing. I mean, I don't know. She might be a wonderful person, but yeah. Uh, and here's a guy who I'm sure uh, used no performing and uh, enhancing drugs whatsoever, Jeff Conaway. <laughs> <laughs> I think he passed away. So did Robert. Oh yeah, Jordan. no, he no, yeah, no, he's gone. Jeff Conway died like four or five years. Terrible, terrible. Uh, Linda Evans, Jenny Lee Harrison, mm -hmm. Bo Hopkins. I don't remember who him. the hell. Uh, and Jillian. It's okay. Living. I just, just <laughs> CBS. The winner that year. Tom Selleck, the captain. Magnum. Danielle. Brisbois. Brisbois. Who is that? She played um, Stephanie, the little Nissan Archie Bunker's place. I'm all in the family. Oh, my end. God. Okay, yeah. there you go. Gregory Harrison, Michelle Lee, mm -hmm. uh, Lee McCloskey. Michelle who the Lee hell underrated, was that? by the way. Lee McCloskey. Oh, yeah, guy. beautiful one, yeah. Yeah. I don't know uh, who Lee McCloskey is. Yeah. Oh, see, that's, that's the one where we'd have to ask the third person in the room, hey, what the hell show is she on? Um, Judy Norton Taylor? Okay, I want to say she was like a bathing beauty kind of a actress. Uh, All right, that's, that's one for like the corrections. Baywatch, but not Baywatch. It might, might be Dallas is what I'm thinking. All right, well, I'll put that in the corrections. Guess Tim Dallas. Reed. Yes. All right, right. Tim Tim Reed from WKRP uh -huh. and also from, uh, yeah, Dallas, Charlene Tilton. Right. All right, NBC, Barbara Mandrell, who, by the way, was like a four-pack-a-day smoker, so I don't know how the hell she she was the <laughs> captain. Oh um, Woody Brown, who the hell was that? I don't know. I have no idea. Woody Brown. <laughs> okay. That's made up. Somebody inserted that no. as a joke. <laughs> All right, Melissa Gilbert, yeah. uh, Brian Kerwin. Brian Kerwin is my accountant. I think that he, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think he was, I think he was the guy, wasn't he James at 16 or 15 or no, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I never heard of, I watched TV my whole life obsessively. I never heard of Brian <laughs> Kerwin. All right. See, I, I shouldn't have gone down this rabbit hole because now I got all these people to put in the corrections. Uh, Louise Mandrell. Okay. Nepotism. Re she, she didn't, she didn't right. earn her spot on this team. You telling me that Barbara <laughs> didn't handpick her? Whatever. Randy Oaks. Who the hell was Randy Oaks? With that, an eye. Yeah. Your twin brother, Skip Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Warren, if you remember Michael Warren. Michael, I don't Warren, Michael Warren was on um, Hill Street Blues, and he also played basketball for UCLA. So he was a good athlete. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, hell, they should have won, for God's sake, then, if they had a professional athlete on the team. So. Yeah, but they had Skip right. Stevenson, too, so it kind of evened it out. There. 
All right, all right, do you want one more dose? One more sure. dose? The, the, all right, here we go. 1981, ABC, captain. This was the year Scott Bayo was captain. Yeah. Uh, D- Douglas Barr? I think Douglas Barr was on uh, that show about the medicine woman. I thought that came along later. No, that was Bruce Boxleitner. Uh, um Douglas Barr. Oh, crap. Could you please put that in the corrections? <laughs> I will. One more for the corrections. CBS. Uh, he, yeah. was a, he was a black belt in karate, and I only know that because I saw him on Cir- uh, Circus of the Stars. Uh, the captain was Prunell Roberts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he have a hairpiece or no hairpiece? No, this was, yeah, this was without the right. hairpiece. This right. was post-Bonanza when he was going au natural. <laughs> <laughs> Mimi Kennedy... Who? All right, I know you're going to Me, I don't know. One for the corrections. Uh, I know you'll laugh at the next one. Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from Falcon Crest. But, you know, his father, he looked marvelous. <laughs> Jared Martin. Who the hell was that? Well, he did productions with Quinn, right? A Quinn Jared well, Martin production. All right, I got to put no. that in the corrections, too. Donna Mills, Tim Reed, Charlene Tilton, and... Uh, Berlinda Tolbert. Oh, God. I think she was on New Zoo Review. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that would have been a good one to throw in. (laughs) (laughs) And and on the NBC team, Henrietta Hippo. That would have been a real good one. (laughs) No, that was for Laugh Olympics, I think. All right, now, now here's something unusual. 1981, somehow... NBC, their captain, and they won it that year. Their captain was Gabe Kaplan, a turncoat. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder what show he was on in 1981. Uh, 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 again, another one for the corrections. My God, I shouldn't have gone down this yeah. rabbit hole. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maude Adams. Ooh la la. Do you remember Maude Adams? Yeah, I remember she was good looking. I remember that. Well, okay. I don't remember what show she was on. I think she was a model. All right, Melissa Gilbert. Maybe she was on an Oil of Olay commercial. <laughs> no, she had to be on a network show. You couldn't just be oh. on a commercial. Then you could be on any. Then you could be on any network. You know. They could have had Rula Lenska on there. <laughs> well, then James Hello. Gardner and uh, Mariette Hartley yeah. could have also Friend. been on any team if and they were. Brenda Vaccaro. <gasps> God, you know, I swear to God, I think you get like a kickback every time you mention Brenda Vaccaro on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Mark- she played, didn't she play, um, didn't she play um, Quincy's girlfriend? Uh, no, that wasn't Brenda Vaccaro. Uh, Jack Klugman's girlfriend on Quincy. It was, can, can you put that in the corrections, please? <laughs> No, wait. Didn't Jack Klugman have a couple of girlfriends? He must have had more than one girlfriend. Oh, it was Anita Gillette. That's who Thank God. All right, good. I won't be up till three in the morning doing the corrections. Uh, All right, also on NBC, Mark Harmon. Uh, Oh, shit. Randy Oaks? Who is that? Yeah, who's he? I don't know. Is that a man or a woman? I don't know. It was an I, so I'm going to assume it was a woman. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Christina Raines? No. Wasn't she the daughter of Claude Rains, the invisible man? <laughs> could no. be. That makes more sense than anything I could come up with. <laughs> All right. James B. Sicking. S-I-K-K-I-N-G. Who the hell was that? <laughs> oh, 
God. This is a disaster for me. Oh, my God. All right, and, okay, the last one they have listed, we know who the hell this guy is because we both loved him, Fred Willard. He's a crowd pleaser. Oh, my God. Thank God for Fred Willard bringing up the rear. And they won that year with James Sicking and Randy Oaks and Christina Raines. She did her invisible routine. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, Mark Harmon, was it? No, wait a minute. Mark Harmon, his dad was Tom Harmon. And didn't Mark Harmon start USC or UCLA, one of those two? Yeah, he he played football. Yeah, see, so there you go. You know, he was the ringer, for God's sake. He was the ringer. All right, now, I'm really going to, and and we can even take a little break if you want to think about something. But I think the best way to end this extravaganza is to just toss it over to you in Chicago and have you wrap this up as the great Howard Cosell might do if he were here today. Well, Cyan, (laughs) I have to give you some credit. Hanging in there with minimal talent and even less personality, able to deliver the story of Battle of the Network Stars. The only thing you had wrong was that the show was singularly revolved around only me, yours truly. (laughs) Every bimbo that they trotted through was there only as eye candy for the low intelligence viewers forced upon me every year. That's why I didn't host one year, because they couldn't possibly pay me enough money to pander to the idiotic, moronic, foolish people stupid enough to watch this show. But I got the last laugh in the end, and Cyan, I give you my blessing. You're a real joy to listen to because I know down deep you're as big a son of a bitch as I was. Our longest episode yet, so I'll go as fast as I can with the corrections. Max Bayer Jr., still alive at 84, still has the Pencilton mustache. Charles White had a lot of problems with cocaine, according to Wikipedia. He won the Heisman Trophy at USC, then played for the Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Rams. William Devane, still around at 82. Paul Crippell was the piano player on It's a Living. In the 80s, Flip Wilson had a couple of shows. He hosted a revival of People Are Funny and then a sitcom that was on for a couple of years called Charlie and Company. Judy Norton Taylor was in The Waltons. Woody Brown was in Flamingo Road, whatever the hell that was. Brian Kerwin was in The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. So shame on us for not knowing that one, Harry. Douglas Barr was in The Fall Guy. Mimi Kennedy was in a bunch of sitcoms. All of them got canceled pretty quick. Jared Martin was in Dallas. Belinda Tolbert was the daughter on the Jeffersons, real pretty uh, African-American woman. In 1981, Gabe Kaplan was on the NBC show Lewis and Clark. Randy Oaks with an eye, we should have known this. She was the hot blonde on Chips. And James B. Sicking, should have known this one too, Harry. He was on Hill Street Blues. All right, that's it. Those are the corrections. We're done. If I missed anything, screw you, Harry. So long now. Thanks for listening. Thank you.